Welcome to Fertility Awareness Project. I'm your host, Nat Dode. In October of 2022, I started a fun experiment. I got a subscription of Natural Cycles, which is an app. You get a regular basic basal body thermometer mailed to you from Natural Cycles, and then each day in the app, you input your temperature reading. If you're trying to avoid that, app will give you green days for available days for unprotected sex, or red days for fertile days. You can also use the app to get pregnant, but primarily it's advertised as a birth control app. This is the first time I've experimented with an app like this. I've never used Daisy or Natural Cycles, but I wanted to try it just to see what would happen and how the Natural Cycles predictions and algorithm would compare with my own charting, with the symptothermal method that I use, and to really just see what the experience was like for people who use Natural Cycles. Because Natural Cycles uses the science of the symptothermal method in basically just using temperature to open and close the fertile window. And that temperature has no predictive quality, no ability to predict ovulation. Temperature simply rises after ovulation has taken place in response to rising progesterone levels in the body produced by the corpus luteum following ovulation. And so we can't actually open the fertile window with basal body temperature. And so really I was interested in seeing how the app handled my cycles, my especially long cycles, and to see how it opened the fertile window and closed the fertile window. So I've used natural cycles since October, but it's been two confirmed ovulations since then. And I wanna just talk about the experience using the app, using natural cycles in general, and then specifically what the differences were between the recommendations from a symptothermal method perspective, as well as the natural cycles recommendations for pregnancy avoiding. So I wanted to talk about just the big picture concerns that I have with the app. And the first is marketing. So Natural Cycles is a huge company that really borrows a lot of the ideas of fertility awareness, turning it into this really appealing app and user experience. They have really commercialized the desire for a lot of people to switch to a non-hormonal method of contraception without needing to learn fertility awareness. So they've kind of packaged the temperature only method into this really appealing, shiny package. They use a lot of influencer marketing. They have a very strong social media presence, a lot of advertising. I personally get a lot of ads uh, on Facebook and Instagram from Natural Cycles. And they really create this marketing feeling on their page and in all of their content that natural cycles is easier than fertility awareness and that it's a safe and effective alternative to hormonal birth control. 
In the past, they have claimed that cervical mucus is too hard for women and menstruators to learn. And so they find that it's too variable in the chart to be reliable for avoiding pregnancy, which is why they don't use cervical mucus in their algorithm to determine safe and unsafe days. So in the past, they've been really, really dismissive of fertility awareness education. They have posted on their social media just complete lies uh, around the effectiveness of fertility awareness. They have likened it to the rhythm method, or they have grouped all fertility awareness-based methods into a cervical mucus-only method. They've just totally twisted and really market it as something that's really unreliable and finicky and at the same time all over the place. Natural Cycles is marketed as this really shiny all-in-one package, an alternative to the pill that's just as easy as taking a pill or having an IUD inserted. And honestly, I get that. I fully acknowledge that fertility awareness is not for everybody, and I don't encourage everybody to use fertility awareness. I think everyone should have the opportunity to decide on the method of contraception that works best for them and that fits the best in their life. And FAM is absolutely not for everybody. And if someone is wanting an all-in-one package and wanting to just kind of easily transition into FAM, I also understand that. And natural cycles might be a good fit for somebody. The concern that I have is that it's marketed as a birth control app. And a lot of people who use natural cycles are strictly avoiding pregnancy. And I don't recommend natural cycles for people who are strictly avoiding, especially with what I've seen in my chart using natural cycles for just a couple of cycles. So let's get to what happened in my charts when I used natural cycles and compared that to my symptothermal chart. So when I started using natural cycles, I was prompted to put in my average cycle length and my cycles are very variable, varying from 28 days all the way up into the hundreds. And I started using natural cycles after I'd confirmed ovulation, which I knew from charting my cervical mucus and basal body temperature in the method that I used to chart. So I charted, or I started using natural cycles in the luteal phase after I knew ovulation had been confirmed. It was about a 40 day long cycle, and then I started a bleed. So for all intents and purposes, natural cycles did not know that I had ovulated because I had started charting after ovulation was confirmed. When I started my bleed and I logged that into the natural cycles app, it immediately switched from red days to green days. So I knew that this was menstruation because menstruation is a bleed that follows ovulation. I knew that it was menstruation because I had charted ovulation. Natural cycles didn't know that. It could be any type of bleed. It could be a fertile bleed. It could be a bleed associated with ovulation. However, it gave me green days. And this was the first red flag. Uh, I already knew that natural cycles 
I'm not sure about daisy, but for sure natural cycles gives uh, green days for any bleed, even if it is not a true menstrual bleed, which in fertility awareness-based methods would not occur. Bleeds that are not menstruation are not considered infertile in fertility awareness-based methods. Um, it could be a highly fertile bleed. It could be uh, just a withdrawal bleed following a rise in estrogen, but it's really not possible to know if it's not menstruation, what could be going on and ovulation could happen at any time. So that's why in fertility awareness-based methods, we approach bleeds that are not menstruation with some caution if we're avoiding. So then I was given green days for that bleed. I was given green days all the way up until day seven. And considering the length of the average length of my cycles, the range of my cycles, that wasn't too bad. Looking at my Dovering rule, um, it was well, it was it was a quite a safe um, recommendation. But for someone who is just starting out with natural cycles and doesn't have prior cycle data, day seven is actually quite risky. When we're first starting out with a fertility awareness-based method and we have no prior cycle data, we'll usually rely on the first three or five days in double-check symptothermal methods that are using a calculation. In a method like Billings, um, we wouldn't have a recommendation like the first three or five days because they don't use a calculation rule. They just rely on cervical mucus to open the fertile window. So in some ways, this this was okay because I know my cycles, I know my doe ring rule, um, but for natural cycles, for a new cycler, giving a new cycler, a new charter, giving day seven um, as the last infertile day is, is risky without any prior cycle data. We would use the first three or five days depending uh, on on cycle lengths and when we're starting to chart, there's a lot in there with calculations and a lot of variables, uh, but generally for brand new people, it'd be three or five days. If you're tired of waking up at the same time each morning to take your BBT, or you find it near impossible to get an accurate temp with kids, night shifts, or irregular sleep schedules, TempDrop was created with you in mind. TempDrop is a wearable basal body thermometer that takes your temp throughout the night and finds your most accurate temperature. I love TempDrop because it doesn't do the charting for you. You take your TempDrop temps and put them into an app, a charting app like Read Your Body, for example. For 12% off any TempDrop package, use the code NATD when you go to tempdrop.com. So that was the first, the first thing. And then I kind of entered my red days on day eight. Red days, red days, red days, red days. And then I finally confirmed ovulation on Day, or I had my first higher temperature on day 27. And that, this was the third higher temperature. Um, so typically when we are charting a symptothermal method, 
we want three elevated temperatures above the prior six lows. Uh, and that third higher temperature needs to be a certain uh, degree above what's called the cover line or the line that goes either through or just above the highest of the six preceding temperatures. So that wasn't the recommendation that uh, Natural Cycles gave me for that temperature shift was fine. And I had experienced my peak day on day 21. Uh, so I was I had confirmed with peak before my temperature shift was confirmed. Um, so while Natural Cycles does not take cervical mucus into account, you're able to chart it in the app, which is kind of misleading, but it doesn't uh, have any bearing on the algorithm. So in this case, it wasn't a risky shift. Uh, it wasn't a risky confirmation or green day. I had confirmed already. It matched up with my symptothermal charting. I was available with billings for unprotected sex on day 25. And then with natural cycles and Sensaplan, I was available for unprotected sex on day 27. And day 27 was the day, the green day that natural cycles gave me. So that was a pretty standard shift, pretty standard recommendation. Awesome. Um, keep charting on, move into my next cycle. The interesting thing with natural cycles that I've heard from people, and I, I kind of get the sense from using it, but I, I don't have anything to prove it, that the more data you give the app, the more green days it gives you, which like, I can't quite wrap my mind around. That just like doesn't, that's just not how it works with fertility awareness. But anyways, that's the sense that I get and that I've heard from other people. So in the next chart, my first or my last green day was day eight. My first red day was day nine. Again, for my cycles with the knowledge that I have around my during rule, it's not unsafe. Uh, but at the same time, natural cycles doesn't know that I've had so many charts before these and that I've confirmed ovulation and I know when my earliest shift was and my cycle links are and all of that stuff. Um, if I'm using a calculation rule. So that wasn't that wasn't concerning that lined up with my the opening of my fertile window for billings uh, and the point of change and all of that. Um, charting along in my red days and now I'm entering kind of a longer cycle. So I've passed day 21 and still have not had a temperature shift. Basically, it's just a lot of red days, um, which doesn't surprise me. Symptothermal methods don't handle long cycles and delayed ovulation super well if they have a calculation rule. Um, if you're using billings, for example, you may have more available days when ovulation is delayed by using that um, early day rule three with your billings uh, basic infertile pattern. So that's pretty standard for um, a calculation rule and a symptothermal method, but it's, it, it is a lot of red days because basically once the fertile window opens, um, it, you're considered fertile until you confirm ovulation. So not great for long cycles or PCOS. Um, the other interesting thing was the period prediction, or sorry, the ovulation prediction in natural cycles. For the whole cycle, up until day 20, 27, it was saying that I was going to ovulate on day 27, which is really 
it makes sense to me that the the ovulation prediction is in there but at the same time i was still like this is so misleading because it's confirming ovulation yes with temperature which makes sense but it has no idea when i'm going to ovulate and yet it's very confident in that ovulation prediction and someone who might not know exactly how the app works or what it's using to open and close the fertile window might put more bearing into that prediction for um, even if it's giving red days, if they're saying, oh, I'm ovulating on day 27, then, you know, by all means, why am I abstaining? Uh, so that was one thing that was interesting. It was saying that I was going to ovulate on day 27 all the way up until then. I didn't ovulate on day 27. Um, that ovulation prediction in period tracking apps in general is really tricky because we want to be able to put our trust into something outside of us to tell us where we are in our cycle, especially if we're learning fertility awareness. And so if an app that has this shiny purple approved by the FDA symbol says that we're going to ovulate on day 27, it's really hard to mesh that with our own body literacy. Like it's very jarring. It's a very jarring uh, contrast. Uh, and it's, it can be really easy to, and I hear a lot of people say, like my app said that I ovulated on this day, if they're using just like a, a period tracking app that has no, that uses no biomarkers, or even an app like this that uses one biomarker, it can just be so easy to latch on to that guess and to not pay attention to what's actually happening in real time. Cervical mucus responds with estrogen and it's a real time indicator of changing hormone levels and approaching ovulation. LH rises before ovulation. We have these other biomarkers that open the fertile window. So that could give some bearing on when ovulation is going to happen, but temperature doesn't have any predictive quality. It can't tell us ahead of time when ovulation is going to occur. So that was really interesting. Um, and then in the end, I ovulated or had my first day of my temperature shift on day 36. Um, my peak day was on day 32. This was kind of a little bit of a strange cycle for me. This was over the holidays. Um, I also had and have been having some significant life stress. Um, so my peak day wasn't a Billings peak, but I did um, have just like a general peak. I had a change in my mucus. I had peak type mucus, but I didn't have a Billings peak. Uh, and my peak day was on day 32. Counting forward until day 36 is when I had my first higher temperature. I was missing, and this is also important too, I was missing within one, two, three, four, five, six. So if I count, or sorry, one, two, three, four, five, six. If I count six low temperatures, I'm missing, I'm missing seven temperatures. So I'm like kind of temping every other day at this point because I'm using my oral temperature, or my oral thermometer with um, natural cycles. So I'm also temping with temp drop. And at this point in my cycle, it's getting really long. I'm getting lazy with my oral temping because I also have my temp drop. So I'm missing like a lot of temperatures. And then on day 36, I have my first elevated temperature. On day th 37, I have my second elevated temperature. 
and I get a green day on day 37. So not only am I missing half of my six low, not missing six low temps, but skipping over every other low temp, I'm getting a green day on day 37. The variability of temperature in response to ovulation is very high. It's one of the most variable in relationship to the timing of ovulation. You can even have a slight progesterone release before ovulation. So you can even have a temperature shift before ovulation even occurs. Imagine if that had happened this cycle and I was getting I wasn't using cervical mucus as a sign, as a biomarker, and I was only using temperature, and it was giving me a green day on the second day of my temperature shift. And that also means I wake up, I take my temperature, and I get a green day that morning. So that's the morning of the second higher temperature. That is a, potentially extremely risky if we're not corroborating that with cervical mucus. So that was really surprising to me. And if I had uh, only been using temperature, I had um, you know, had that slight progesterone release before ovulation, I wasn't using cervical mucus as well to narrow in on the window of ovulation or another biomarker, this could be an extremely risky day. Um, and never mind all of the missing temperatures before that. Some methods have, um, some sympothermal methods have requirements around how many actual temperatures need to be within your six pre-shift temperatures. Others don't, but generally, the more data we have, the better, the more effective it's going to be. And the fact that this many temperatures were missing and it was still um, a approved temperature shift is pretty concerning. Um, and this in and of itself would be really, um, yeah, it would be concerning for me if I was strictly avoiding pregnancy and is really why I would not recommend natural cycles for someone who is, is really, really avoiding. If someone is like loosely avoiding pregnancy and is okay if a pregnancy occurs or is planning to get pregnant soon, I wouldn't worry. Um, I would say I'm also kind of outside of regular cycles. I have really, really irregular cycles and varying length, lengths of cycles. So if you have irregular cycles, it's probably not going to be as problematic, but the fact that we're getting green days on the second day of the temperature, on the morning of the second day is pretty problematic. Um, and the thing is like lots of people will use these apps or will use ovulation prediction and won't have any issue, won't get pregnant. But it's only when you have like a slight variation in your cycle or a slightly earlier ovulation, um, you can use this for months and months and it's only a matter of time before you'll have a change in your cycle and you might get caught out. And I don't say this to scare people, but it can be really easy to lull yourself into regular cycles and expecting ovulation is gonna happen at a certain time and yes, it will work if you do, but it really is only a matter of time until you have a cycle that is not quite your regular or your norm. Um, so it's just important to be conscious of that, especially if you, even if you're charting with fertility awareness, to take ovulation on its own merit, to take your observations on their own merit and not based on previous experiences. 
So that was very interesting for me to see in the chart. I'm going to continue charting with natural cycles because I am paying for a year subscription. Um, but it was, it's just really fascinating to see firsthand the outsourcing of security onto this AI, onto this technology. And we really want to replace the security we had on birth control with something outside of us. And if something outside of us that's AI that must be smarter than us tells us we're gonna ovulate at a certain time or that we're safe or not safe, oh, it feels so much more relaxing and safe to do that than to rely on our own observations. And I get that, I get, I totally get that people want to have an easier option than learning fam. And I absolutely understand that. Again, I don't think fam is for everybody, but the messaging around the fact that natural cycles is smarter than someone learning a fertility awareness-based method, learning cervical mucus is just really, it just really grinds my gears. You've probably gotten that sense from this episode. Um, but we just have to stay critical of technology that says it's going to be smarter than us or is going to do a better job than us with fertility awareness. We can use technology to enhance our charting, to make our charting easier, but outsourcing it isn't necessarily going to do a better job than us interpreting our own biomarkers. And I really saw that with using natural cycles this cycle. With that little FDA approved by the FDA symbol that opens when, or that appears when you open the, the app, it really creates a sense of security. And people are looking for that. They're looking for the security that they felt on the pill. And we've been told that technology is smarter and we can outsource that to an app. It's also just been a fun experiment for me. And in this season, I talk a little bit about romancing fertility awareness again or getting back into charting, remembering why we were excited by charting in the first place. And doing little experiments like this is another way of finding and refining our love of body literacy and fertility awareness. I'm really excited to continue experimenting with natural cycles, um, to challenge myself by, you know, examining all the things that I'm seeing and thinking really critically about it and comparing it to my own chart. And I'm excited to continue sharing all of those updates on Instagram. I have a highlight on my page called Natural Cycles if you want to see some more of the algorithm that I'm that I'm the algorithm that I'm getting the um what the other algorithm is saying about my uh cycle and all that good stuff if you want to continue seeing it and I'll be sure to post um like a side-by-side -side chart comparison as well. So I hope you liked my rant. Um, I get very fiery when I talk about natural cycles, um, but I hope that it was interesting to you. I uh, would love to hear what you think if you want to send me a message on Instagram. And yeah, that's it for today. I hope you have a lovely day and I'll see you in the next episode. Hey, thanks so much for listening to today's episode. I really, really appreciate you. 
If you want to continue learning from me, you can find me on Instagram at Fertility Awareness Project. And if you haven't yet taken FAM Fundamentals, it's a free video course that I've created to get you started and get you up and running with fertility awareness as birth control. You can get your copy of FAM Fundamentals free when you go to fertilityawarenessproject.ca slash FAM fundamentals. All right, I'll see you in the next episode.